Well, hi. 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 <laughs> hi. We're back. It's still a million degrees. Our brains have fully melted. <laughs> um, I apologize for everything henceforth and hitherto. <laughs> and could you say something like... <laughs> I can't form thoughts. Could you say whenceforth? <laughs> whenceforth and when they're two. <laughs> like, uh, whenceforth is like henceforth, but in the past, moving I, forward. I don't think instead that's of the right at all. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, Sorry, guys. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna make it a thing. Stop trying to make fetch a thing. <laughs> Stop trying to make one sports a thing. <laughs> okay. Oh, this is Chattahoochee. Oh, Do, yeah. It, I I don't know if we is. we've been mentioning that like consistently. Uh, it's so hot, you guys. <laughs> we're 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 professionals. We're professional <sighs> podcasters and professional advice givers and. Don't, Don't tell them. people that. Do not take our advice. <laughs> Never take our advice. Ever. Do the that, exact opposite of our advice. Our, our, Don't do that either, because that was advice. Right. Our advice is to never take our advice. What do they do? Our advice is uh, to sometimes take our advice. Okay. But, I think that's logically consistent. Use your own judgment. Okay. Does that, that make enough sense? Yes. Okay. I have a question for you, Casey. Got it. There's this whole thing. This is from a listener, I believe. There's a, that whole thing about there being an ingredient in Mountain Dew that supposedly lowers your sperm count. Does that mean if someone were to drink enough Mountain Dew, that would be a valid contraceptive? This one happens to also be from my childhood friend. Uh, hi, Derek. This one's for you. Um, <laughs> I don't know what ingredient we're talking about here, but I'd like to know in what concentrations it is, you know spermicidal yeah i've definitely heard that before i've heard about the spermicidal qualities <laughs> of the dew of the dew mountain don't <laughs> mountain don't get pregnant oh i wonder if you made if you created that line of carbonated beverages would you get sued by pepsi does pepsi Me own mountain dew i think so i think it's a pepsi product wow um Okay, my answer to this question is, I do not know if you, I don't know at what quantity, I don't know what the spermicidal agent is and at what concentration it is present in Mountain Dew, but I think that you would likely need to drink such copious amounts of Mountain Dew in order for it, in order for it to be an effective enough spermicide to work as a contraceptive. I think it is. That was not a complete no, it was. Was it? When did it start? Okay, it's really hot. The sound you just heard was my legs peeling off of this leather chair. Um, that's some ASMR for you, free of charge. Um, so you would have to, what you're saying is you would have to drink so much of it that it wouldn't be physically possible? Yes. Okay. And, or like the, the carbonation would explode your stomach before you could yeah, do it. Yeah, probably. Okay. Or you'd like go into shock. I bet or... if you drink enough of it, I should ask my roommate about this. He drinks a lot of it too. Oh, really? <laughs> How fertile are you? <laughs> oh my god, let's do an experiment. I On my roommate? I have the means to conduct this experiment. I have access to a microscope. And a lot of lab mice. Yeah. Oh my god! Oh, Jesus. This is gonna get real. Uh, I'll report back next week. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, Jen is on the case. <laughs> Please continue using... Um, conventional contraceptives until we get back to you with our results. The, the answer is definitely don't rely on that. <laughs> Use alternative methods of birth control. 
please. Alternative. Alternative. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's alternative to that's, that's, that's legitimizing it, huh? Yeah. By call yeah. Okay. Uh next question. Next question. Um my coworker touches my hair and I don't know how to tell him to stop. This is a bit of a long one. Over the recent months, I noticed that my male coworker will lightly run his fingers through my hair during our shifts. He will do it do it as he is walking past me. I don't even know if he notices he's doing it, but it's starting to get super awkward for me. Sometimes I won't realize it until after the fact. We're super busy. It sounds like they work in a pharmacy. Um, it says I love him as my friend and coworker, but I feel like I don't know how to tell him to stop doing this and she doesn't want to tell her boss because she doesn't want it to be a sexual harassment thing um she has experienced nothing like this in the workplace before what do you think jen um well at first i was gonna say it's definitely harassment talk to your boss but then she says that they're friends and he's like an older brother to me so it sounds like he might be doing it playfully and not realizing that it's kind of weird for her. Yeah. Uh, so I think that your best bet here, since you seem to have a pretty comfortable relationship with him, is to just talk to him about it and be like, hey, why do you keep, why do you keep running your fingers through my hair? Uh, and just talk to him about it. And it's probably no big deal. And he probably just thinks that he's being cute or something. Yeah. You know what I would do? What would you do? Okay, this probably isn't advisable, but this is what I do in situations. Do it back to him? (laughs) I was thinking about that, but I would not personally do that, but it would be interesting. How nice is his hair? How feasible is this? Maybe he's bald. Whoa, maybe Maybe he doesn't have a scalp. (laughs) Possible, but not probable. (laughs) Anyway, what I do in situations where someone is like, because I really don't like being touched by strangers. Like, the people I will allow to touch me is a very small select group. And sometimes, yeah, like, coworkers, and it's never really been in a sexual harassment kind of way. It's usually, like, older women in the workplace who just, like, think of me as, like, a child. They'll, like, pat me on the head or, like, rub my shoulder. Not, like, for a long time, but, like, walk by and, like, rub my shoulder. They'll give me a massage. Just a casual (laughs) massage. They'll just give me, like, a full body shiatsu. Is that a word? (laughs) Hot rock massage. Um, No, if someone does that and I don't like it, I definitely, I know what it feels like to be super awkward about it, because I, I know it's coming from a loving and affectionate place, and I don't want to be like, don't be affectionate toward me, because right. I like affection in other, like, I want you to be nice to me. <laughs> yeah. So, usually, um, this is kind of a conscious decision, but mostly not. Usually, if someone touches me and I don't want them to, I say, ow, <laughs> and that stops them. Like, they think that I have, like, a very sensitive, oh. like, they think I have, like, a sunburn, or I'm just, like just have very, like, delicate skin or something. Interesting. And they stop. Like, sometimes if, like, someone hugs me without asking, I say, ow, instead of stop. Like, it's definitely not the most direct method. Yeah. But if you're, like, paralyzed by awkwardness like I am, <laughs> then I recommend it. It's effective. Like, I it's, like that. It's a little dishonest because I'm not being hurt physically, but I want it to stop, so I say, ow. Yeah. I'm sure it makes them feel bad. So it's, like, kind of bad, but... Yeah, but I'm... I don't mean it in... I I just say, like, ow. Like, oh. Yeah, yeah. I don't say, like, ow. <laughs> um, I actually have a lot of experience with this, or I used to. Not so much anymore, because I used to have very, very, very long hair. Ooh, and people... Yeah. As a child. And people would just, like, take it upon themselves to touch my hair. Because... Yeah. People I, think kids don't have body autonomy. <laughs> yeah. And... 
like their kids would pull my hair. So I was, I'm actually very sensitive about who can touch my hair. Like Casey can touch my hair, which is a big deal. Like I let her braid my hair. That's, a, that's I don't think you don't know how big a deal that is. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I feel like I've like befriended a, a skittish horse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, spirit stallion of the Cimarron. <laughs> you are <our> spirit. <laughs> you have to add stallion of the Cimarron. Stallion of the Cimarron. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but really, the people number of people I let touch my hair is so few because kids would pull my hair, like being jerks. Or even adults. There was this this woman who, she was a parent at my elementary school to a kid in my class. And she would come and grab my hair and, like, and like play with it and say, Jen Punzel, Jen Punzel, let down your hair. <laughs> and I, it, like, incenses me still. I can feel my heart rate increasing. Tiny little in Jen was just full of rage. <laughs> yeah. And... Anyway, yeah. So touching people's hair, don't do it, first of all, because it's an invasion of their privacy. Yeah. I mean, hair is, like, dead cells, but it's still part of the person. And, like, I feel like my scalp is really sensitive. I don't know. Yeah. A lot of people's scalps are really sensitive. Um, so if you're listening to this and you touch people's hair, don't do it unless they've told you it's okay. Yeah. And if someone is touching your hair, I understand that it's weird and that you don't like it, and say ow when they do it. (laughs) It's good advice. (laughs) Oops. Oh, there's been a spillage. <laughs> it's fine. We're moving on. Okay, that didn't get in on any electronics? No. Okay, good. Uh, okay. Listener question? Yeah? Yes. Why do people constantly return to... We have so many... I'm so grateful that we have so many listener questions. Honestly, great. they're mostly from about two of my friends. That's okay. But we have dedicated, really appreciate we have dedicated <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Uh, why do people constantly return to the refrigerator with hopes that something new to eat will have materialized? <laughs> I actually don't do this as an adult. Can I you used do to, it as a child? I used to as a kid, definitely as a teenager. For some reason, I don't do it anymore. But I think that we're, we do it in hopes that our own standards have lowered since the last time. <laughs> like, we've gotten hungry or bored or whatever enough. That the food that's already in there will seem more appealing. And you don't remember exactly what was in there before. So you need to go back and be like, okay, does any of this meet my new lower standards? Yeah. I think that that makes perfect sense. I don't, I don't think that I ever, like, continuously went back to the refrigerator. I don't think I did that as a child, and I don't think I do it now. I just stand in front of it with it open for a very long time. (laughs) (laughs) Which isn't any better. (laughs) But I do think that the standards lowering thing. Yeah. So you stand there until your standards lower? <laughs> I guess so. Oh, you are maybe, the maybe, cause of global warming. Maybe my standards just lower very rapidly. Uh, yeah, it's totally possible. Actually, considering evidence, yeah, that's... Considering true. evidence? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know what you're referring to, but we're going to talk about this later. <laughs> anyway, next question. Yeah, I don't think that anyone actually hopes that something new will have materialized. Yeah, I, maybe in our hearts we do, but in our well, minds yeah, we know yeah. it's not. Um, okay, here's another one. <laughs> I like this one a lot. Uh, if Winnie the Pooh was civilized enough to eat to keep his honey in jars, why did he eat it off his hands? Surely he had spoons? I have several answers to this. Uh, do you mind if I tackle it first? Oh, go ahead. First of all, I don't think him keeping his honey in jars has anything to do... With civil- civilization. Well, I mean, I guess... 
need to have like some sort of technological advancement to have jars. But I feel like keeping things in jars is not particularly civilized. It's just good practice to keep <laughs> bugs out of it. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, first of all, I, I think I disagree with your, your like, thesis here. I don't think it him keeping his honey in jars means that he's civilized. But even if I accept the fact that he is civilized, I think he eats it off his hands because it tastes better that way. <laughs> I, I tend to eat a lot of my food with my hands. And it's partly because I don't like the feeling of metal, like, fork tines against my teeth. Yeah. Isn't that, like, a gross feeling? It's not, yeah, it can be unpleasant. And I've never accidentally bitten off a finger or anything. Yeah. So, just, if, as long as your hands are clean, or, I mean, bears have really good immune systems, I'm betting. Pro- probably. <laughs> also, did he steal the honey? Is that why? Maybe he stole the honey from humans or from a store, but he doesn't care to steal a spoon along with it? Uh, I think he steals it from the bees. I mean, that's what bears do, right? That's true. Yeah. Uh... This is an exciting development that I don't believe our audience knows. I saw a bear. Oh my god, Jen saw a bear and I'm really jealous. I saw a bear in in the flesh. I was running on on a trail in the woods. This was like last week. This was a a week and a half ago. I was running on the trail, on a trail in the woods... Around dusk time, I guess. It was mm-hmm. like it was like six thirty or seven. Mm-hmm. And there was a bear like twenty feet away. It was, I would guess, an adolescent black bear. Hmm. It did not give me any problems, but it was kinda scary. <laughs> it didn't cause you any trouble. No. Jen backed away slowly along with her friend. Yes. We backed away slowly and sought out an alternative route. Jen and should then- be very grateful for the power of friendship because she she didn't mention this point, but she didn't see the bear until her friend showed it to her. Yeah, so the whole, the story is she that... She would have run right into it. I was running with my friend, we were jogging along this trail, and then she, like, kind of grabbed my shoulders and was like, there's a bear, stop. And I didn't understand what was happening, I just stopped because she grabbed me. And I was like, huh? I was, I was very oblivious to what was happening. Uh, I probably would have gotten eaten if I were by myself. I don't think black bears <laughs> typically eat people. Maybe it was very hungry. We who who's maybe, to say? Maybe. maybe it just has a taste for flesh. Yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> she said, "There's a bear," and I still couldn't see it because there was a tree blocking my way. She said, "Start walking backwards slowly." So I obeyed, and then I saw the bear, and it was just kind of hanging out there. And then as we backed away more, it ran away. It kind of galumphed away. That sounds adorable. It was real cute, but also scary, but also really cute. I think also I just remembered. Honey is sometimes a treatment for hair. Sometimes people do honey masks in their hair. So maybe Winnie the Pooh just wants really soft puffer. Puffer. Yeah. Who wouldn't? Like people who lotion their hand. You know, you like you you put lotion on your hands yeah. to make them if soft. If you could eat your lotion, wouldn't you like double task lotion your hands and eat it? I would. Also, honey seems really sticky and gross, but if you ever get honey on your hands, it's really pretty easy to dissolve in water and just wash it off in warm water. It's fine. Yeah. So if he just goes to a stream and washes it off, it's fine. Right, as a bear would do. For the tactile, hedonistic pleasure of just eating honey off of your own hands, we should do that for dinner tomorrow. Uh, I, I don't even like the honey that much. But yes, I am open to eating something out of my hands tomorrow. Uh, okay, cool. <laughs> Deal. But it does seem worth it to me, and I don't question his motives. Neither do I. 
Uh, okay, here is a question that needs answering. I get angry about past conversations or perceived wrongs people may have had against me. They just seem to appear in my thoughts and I get very angry or stressed. What's the best thing to do when these thoughts arrive? Hmm. I've definitely felt this way before. I, yeah, I think that's pretty relatable. I think something that I've been learning about a lot lately in my summer class, biopsychosocial assessment, is... No, it's Wait. the first one. Oh, is it? Yeah. Dang. You're thinking of critical thinking about human behavior in the oh, social okay. environment. <laughs> I am. You're right. Silly me. <laughs> Easy mistake to make. Uh, we've been learning, well, I've personally been learning a lot about acceptance and commitment therapy, and it's a pretty interesting theory and therapy based on the theory. But a big part of it that I think is really helpful is just realizing that your thoughts don't matter. <laughs> your thoughts can matter, but not all your thoughts matter. And your thoughts aren't your fault. You're not choosing to think them. So kind of, it's kind of related to meditation and mindfulness, which I yeah. never really understood, honestly, before I learned about ACT. It's presented in a fully more logical way to me. Um, just kind of, Acknowledging your thoughts without letting them... I mean, it's way easier said than done. But try to acknowledge your thoughts without letting them make you angry or stressed. Like, this person says, the thoughts appear, and they get very angry or stressed. And it's fine to feel that way, and it's fine to think that. But try to practice the art of acknowledging your thoughts and letting them remain as long as they want to and disappear. You don't need to seek the thoughts out. You don't need to fight the thoughts. You don't need to run from them. Just, you know, accept yourself the way you are. Accept your thoughts the way they come. I think a really key word that you said there is practice. Yeah. Because this is something that is not easy to do. Definitely. And it's not something that you'll just be able to do and it will work automatically. It's something that you need to attempt each time this happens. And over time, you'll get better at handling it. The same thing happens to me, and I think what's helpful for me is to think, like, okay, why did I have these thoughts? And if I can pinpoint, like, like what train of thought led me to, like, this terminal thought, mm -hmm. um, then that can be helpful to kind of backtrack that. And then to think, okay, why is this making me upset? Um, and just sort of understanding the... Like, the dynamics of your thoughts on that subject mm -hmm. can be helpful... To, like, be more mindful about why you're thinking that and why it's upsetting to you. I don't know. Like, me metacognition, yeah. basically, is what I'm saying. Th yeah, think exactly. about Think about your thoughts. Think about your thoughts. Um, think about your thoughts, your feelings, your urges, your sensations. I think sensations is an important one for me. A lot of times I'll have thoughts and they can be negative thoughts and I don't know where they came from. And then if I think about it, like you were saying, if I think about why I'm feeling this way, a lot of times it just draws back to raw sensory input like when I put on the dress I'm wearing right now I had like this weird feeling and I started thinking about like a situation that wasn't so good last summer and then I realized it was because I wore this dress a lot last summer oh interesting yeah and so just the sensation of having it on my body and maybe like the sight of it yeah like just made you know the connections in your brain the wires yep, yep. that are so strong together it just involuntarily 
wakes up those connections that are there. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily make the thoughts less real or less upsetting, but it does, I mean, for me, it really helps to just realize what might have caused them. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good way to approach it. Thank you. Uh, okay. Here is another listener question. Uh, and I... <laughs> this one's a doozy. I don't really know anything about this. Me neither. Uh... <laughs> Let's see this one. I don't know anything about it either. But given the newly released Petro Wan, American money not being backed by gold, and a number of increasingly petrol buying countries subscribing to the aforementioned Petroyan, <laughs> including U.S. allies, what is the best U.S. Strate- strategy to prevent massive inflation in the coming decade? Plus, if more countries make the switch. How should we pressure our supposed allies to prevent this? Casey? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think our relationships with other countries are really important, and we don't value those enough. Like, we were just talking about how China has not been as eager to buy our recycling from us as they used to be, and it's causing a lot of turmoil, including some immediate effects, like at, um, at a place I know well, (laughs) the workers have been throwing away, like, it's a restaurant type deal, the workers have been throwing away all of their recycling, all of their cardboard and everything that they used to recycle is just going in the dumpster because the places here that used to buy it are no longer buying it. They want money to take it in because China won't buy it. China had been massively importing everything. What thoughts do you have on the issue? Um, I really don't know anything about petrowan or petrodollars. Um, this like this whole field of economics is something that I'm hugely unversed in. Um, but. Yeah, I don't know. Money is tough. I, I don't Money know. hard. <laughs> Money's so hard. Money hard, long time. Uh, how should we pressure our supposed allies to prevent this? I'm, I don't... So is, is this saying that money... Like, instead of having a gold standard, there will be an oil standard? Is that... Like, That's interesting. I'm not sure. Um, I mean, I guess that makes as much sense as having a gold... like. Gold is so arbitrary, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think basing dollars in oil, like having it backed by oil, probably is not a good idea because I don't think oil is a currency of the future. I think it does make sense in that oil is more intrinsically valuable than gold. Gold is yeah. just, like, shiny. Oil you can use to do things. Do <laughs> like run things yeah um i don't really understand how it would prevent massive inflation i think i said that already but i'm just trying to talk through it in my head um i don't know i don't really know what the best economical system is because it's kind of scary it's like it's kind of comforting to think of money as like not actually mattering like not, I no, guess it's just we all agree that it matters, right? But that's also on the other hand, like, like back in the day, I don't know if you 
if you if you were rich because you had a lot of chickens, mm-hmm. like that's good for the people that I don't know. Like, never mind. I, um, our I, brains are overheating collectively. <laughs> Let's move on to another question. Uh, can you cry underwater? Um, can you cry underwater? I'm trying to think of a situation in which this might have happened to me. I don't think I've ever cried underwater. I've been sad underwater. <laughs> yeah, I definitely have been too. I think it depends on how much pressure your tear ducts uh, can generate versus the pressure of the water incoming at your face. You know what I mean? It probably definitely depends on how deep you are in the water. If you're deeper in the water, there's more pressure on your eyeballs. <laughs> you're less likely to be able to emit yeah. tears, right? But, like, if you just, if you were crying, and then you, like, had a sink full of water, and you just submerged your face underwater, would you be able to continue crying? Uh. <laughs> I kind of feel I don't like, know. I kind of feel like you, if by crying you mean shedding tears. Yeah, I think that's what they mean. Yeah. I don't think you could. Hmm. But you could, like... You're, you could be going through the motions of sobbing and stuff. Yeah. But you could I, make I, a very ugly face underwater. Yeah. I think the evolutionary theory of why crying is a thing is that it's to communicate with people close to you that you're upset. Yeah. Like, if you are in, like, battle with other cave people... Um, you can, like, shed a tear, and the people close to you will see the, like, glint of light off of the tear, and they'll see that you're hurt, but you don't want people on the other side of cave people to know that you're hurt, so you but wouldn't want to, like, say something. if you're in battle, something. your enemies would be just as close to you as your friends would. I, well, what if you're, like, using bow, bows and arrows? Or, like, yeah, long I spears? <laughs> I guess so. That's the theory. So, evolutionarily... You cannot <laughs> do the act of purposeful crying underwater. Because you can't see it. E- but there's lots of things that have evolved. Like, I agree that I don't think you can, but I don't know if I subscribe to your logic. Because there are lots of things that don't... That evolve... There are lots of behaviors that evolve evolutionarily that you can still do in context that don't make sense that's true i just mean in terms of like what your genes care about yeah. it doesn't matter if you can cry underwater yeah it wouldn't have conveyed any kind of advantage for you to be able to cry underwater right yeah so there's no reason for you to be able to in an evolutionary sense. oh my god jenna's playing with scissors <laughs> <laughs> um yes i agree with that okay uh, if you have a cold hot pocket, is it just a pocket? <laughs> Can you store your change in a cold hot pocket? <laughs> probably. Prob- probably. If it's, I bet you could put some change in there. This is reminding me of Jim Gaffigan. That's my hot, only notable thought. Hot pocket. <laughs> the Jim Gaffigan. I've seen him do that live, that bit live, and it's hilarious. When did you see Jim Gaffigan? In California. Oh my god. There was like a week when we saw Jim Gaffigan. 21 Pilots, Weird Al, we went to two baseball games, we saw Radiohead twice. What bank did you rob? (laughs) Uh, the bank of our future. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think if you have a cold hot pocket, 
then it's called a cold hot pocket. But I admire your wit. I, in the future, if I ever have a cold hot pocket, I'll call it a pocket in your honor. Yes, I agree with that. Uh, okay. Let's see what we got here. (laughs) All right. Um, okay, there's a picture of a man... (laughs) And he, he has what I would characterize as, like, a beer belly, kind of. Maybe I don't a dad bod. No, it's a little more than a dad bod, though. Little, also, yeah. also, he looks relatively young. Also, the expression on the lower half of his face is very forlorn. Yeah. Also, he has gauges. <laughs> yeah. And a patriotic t-shirt. And he says, does this accurately represent most American men's bodies? Um, <laughs> I would say... I don't, yeah, I don't know. He looks... That's probably a pretty average BMI for an American man. Yeah. Americans, I think, on average, Americans are overweight, right? I believe I so, like I yes. Um, I did hear on NPR, just to try to spin this positive, I heard on NPR that Americans are surviving car crashes more because we're overweight, so it's... More insulation? <laughs> more squishy. Oh, really? Yeah, more squish around the bones. Interesting. Yep. Um... It's, I wish I, that we could convey this image to our listeners and get their input. Um, I told my friend that news story, and he said, we need to go to McDonald's for safety. <laughs> anyway. Um, I think that... Yeah, I don't know. I think that there is sort of an unhealthy view of people either being, like, really, really skinny or people being really, really overweight. And I feel like the people in the middle are kind of ignored. But hmm. I feel like this is pretty average. I don't know. Probably. I mean, try not to worry too much about what you look like. Because Jen and I were talking about this earlier. And I've been learning about body dysmorphic disorder in my summer class. And, again, disclaimer, we're not actual... <laughs> <laughs> we're not licensed in anything, including advice giving. So don't take our advice. But body dysmorphic disorder is more prevalent than you would think, and basically it's caused by, I I guess in my opinion, in my extrapolation, it's caused by the fact that humans process human bodies of others and themselves, and human faces of others and themselves, in a very unique way, such that what someone else sees when they look at you is, like, totally different from what you see when you look at yourself. It's like So just try not to worry about it. It's like when you hear your own voice and it sounds completely different. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I love listening to our podcast, but I also hate it because I'm like, oh, I hate how I sound. I know. That's why I'm, <laughs> like, I like the sound of my own voice because it's familiar to me, but at the, sa- and at the same time, it sounds like not a human voice. <laughs> <laughs> but no one else has told me that it's not a human voice, so I'm sure it's fine. Uh, is this the time for me to tell you? <laughs> what do I sound? What uh, creature do I sound like? I I don't really think that there is any pre-existing context for which me for which for, for, <laughs> that I can, I don't think there's any pre-existing framework for me to use to accurately describe your voice. Okay, I'm gonna take that as a compliment and move on. <laughs> you can take it either way. I won't. I won't give you any hints one way or the other. <laughs> These are very positive or very negative things. Anyway, uh, try not to worry about your body. Try to just think about health. Um, do what your doctor tells you to do. Yeah. Um, if if your doctor 
says that you are either over or underweight, then heed their medical professional opinion. Yeah, for sure. And act accordingly. Yeah. Next question. Do people who use sign language see the little hands in their head when they think about what somebody said, or do they hear the words in their head? <laughs> uh, that is such an interesting question. Do you have any idea? Um, I do, actually, I think. Um, but I want to preface this with some other stuff. Go ahead. Uh, it was brought to my attention recently that we can never, that we can never perceive the present. What? Tense. Because by the time we think about it, like the time that it takes for our brain to process and think about it, it's like already the next moment. Like it, like nothing can happen. It's impossible for something to, for a thought to happen instantaneously. That's terrifying, but it's also exciting because if you die quickly, you won't know you're dead. Sure. <laughs> and like, I feel like the worst part about dying is knowing that you're dying. Probably. Right? It's like the worst part of something bad happening is anticipating the bad thing. Yeah. So if you just die instantly, or die very quickly, and you don't have enough time to realize you're dying, you're basically not dying. You're basically immortal, right? Um, I don't Was know. That that's a logical a, jump. <laughs> I don't know if that's the conclusion I would draw, but I see where you're coming from. Okay, cool. Uh, so, so how does this answer? Wait, so so I have there's a series More of segues. Corollaries. Yes. Okay. So the next thing is, uh, when you're thinking. When you're actually, your bra- when your brain is in the process of having a thought, mm-hmm. like, when we think about things, we think about them in our native language or whatever, mm-hmm. but that's, like, post-processing that happens. Like, the thought that's happening isn't really happening in a language. Right, it's happening in concepts. Yeah. So, I think that that's interesting because, I don't, I just think it's interesting, but the- <laughs> this sort of tangentially tra- ties into this. Okay. Um... But I have, I've seen someone ask this question before, and I'm pretty sure that this person says that they think in signs, not in what, they, they think in, yeah. In visual signs? But like, like, I don't know, when you're thinking about words, I don't think, I'm not hearing words in my head when I'm thinking about words. Are you seeing I, words? I'm not seeing words either. Me I'm either. Ju- I'm just having like the impression of words. And, oh, and so they so have the impression, impression of signs. signs, I think. That's crazy interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but I think I, it's, too, it's too different for us to even realize. Yeah, and I think it depends. I mean, not everyone that uses sign language is deaf or was born deaf. Mm-hmm. So I think it probably also matters if you were born deaf or if you grew up yeah. speaking. Yeah. And listening. I think so. Yeah, you could still think in words as we do that's really interesting i think it would be interesting to see yeah the bilingual people who speak an audio language as well as a visual language yeah i know there have been a lot of studies i don't know if you remember this from college there have been a lot of studies one of our professor like our professors at Bowdoin like to talk about um on people who are bilingual versus people who are monolingual yeah and how they think in a qualitatively different way from people who are monolingual. They think not necessarily in one of the two languages they know. They think in more of a higher conceptual way. Interesting. Yeah. I wish I knew more languages, man. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This guy I was talking to, um, sort of a family friend of a family friend. Okay. (laughs) He was telling me that 
you know the trolley problem? Yeah, yeah. Where you, it's a moral decision. You have to either pull the lever or not. Either don't act and see multiple people die or do act and see one person die. Yeah, so the, the situation is that there's a train, there's, a, there's an out of control train on a train track. Mm-hmm. I guess the train is in control. I don't know. The the conductor is incapacitated. And uh, the the train is currently on a track that heads towards five people. Yep, tied to the tracks. Tied to the tracks. And then you, you're you standing at a junction of the tracks. Like, you could change the train tracks. You and can pull a lever and you change could, you the could, track. Yes. And so you could pull a lever and make the track change from killing from killing the five people or to only killing one person. Right. And the question is, do you change the track? Right. Yeah. Assuming that all the people are strangers. Right. You don't know anything about it, about those people. But the question is, is passively allowing five people to die mm-hmm. more acceptable than actively causing one person to die? Right. I think that you should pull the lever. Yes. Um, assuming that all the people are equal and all, you know, equally important to you. I mean, it's not necessarily a good thing, but I think most people would understandably value people they know over people they don't. Right. Um, I think that the more moral thing is to actively pull the lever, killing the one person, saving the five... Yeah, just from, but, like, an absolute... Yeah, rel- it's definitely yeah. debatable. What do you think? Yeah, I think all else being equal, you should pull the lever. And I don't think it would be easy to live with, but I think it, that's the correct thing right. to do. But some people see it as playing God, sort of. Yeah. But, so, this man that I was talking to, uh, he said that he had read a study. So, this is a second, third-hand study. <laughs> um, <laughs> we have a lot of those, but it's okay. Yeah. I feel confident in our data. Um, he said that, don't cut your mouth off. I'm, I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> she's, I don't have She's the, pointing the scissors at her face. I'm just brandishing them and they're nowhere near my face. Don't use the word brandish. <laughs> That's not a comforting word. Anyway, um, I have heard that if you do this study on people who are bilingual, if you present it to them in their second learned language, assuming that they're both, they're fluent in both, but one they learned one earlier, they learned the second later. If you present it to them in their second learned language, they're more likely to pull the lever. Why? What's the reasoning behind that? Well, he said, I asked the same question. The man I was talking to said that the theory is that when you are processing something in a second learned language, it takes you a bit more psychological time, cognitive time, to process it, and that makes you more likely to make a more moral decision with complex problems. Interesting. Yeah. Do you buy that? I think it makes total sense. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting, and I think maybe we should make everyone learn a second language and make them only act the second (laughs) language, and everyone will be more moral. Um, all right. Casey, 2024. (laughs) Wait. What? You can be president, and that can be your platform. Oh, I thought you were talking about 2048, the game. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know or where you were going you, with that. You could run in 2048, sure. Is that a running year? I can't do math from there. I think so. You wouldn't be old enough in 2020. Would you be old enough? I don't know if you'd be old enough in 2034, either. Maybe 2048? you would. 2048? In 2048, you would. Yeah. 
But not in 2024. 2024. Uh, You'd be 32. How old do you have to be to be president? 35. Yeah. So the earliest you could be president is 2028. That's 10 years from now. Casey, 2028. (laughs) Bilingualism is the platform. Bilingualism for all. Also, I'm going to switch to the metric system. Everyone will be distracted by the bilingual mandate, and I'm going (laughs) to secretly just stealthily switch to the metric system. Yes, please do. I would be so happy with that. Anyway, this has been a very interesting conversation, but this has taken us quite over. We have made a personal record for our longest lengthiness and we are just continuing it with this weird wordy ending <laughs> uh can we call this instead of a podcast we call it a pod case uh <laughs> sure <laughs> nothing makes sense everything makes sense it's about a million degrees in here that's the only few seconds it's a million with. degrees in the stupid swamp town <laughs> is that a quote for something yes what parks and rec okay cool uh, all right, this was Chattahoochee. <laughs> Send us questions at askchattahoochee at gmail.com. Uh, check us out on our new sister website, sponsor website, host, host website, niceville.xyz, <laughs> which is probably where you're listening to this. And uh, have a wonderful time. See you next time. See ya.